millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, lockdown lovies, and welcome back to the Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport. Lockdown returns to England, but no one told Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Manchester United leave bar open. Questions about the future as Poch slides back into the public eye in a timely manner. Coming up, all 10 previews, including Everton against Manchester United and the huge game of the weekend as Liverpool's goal-hungry Reds head to Manchester City. He's a keeper. Will the Blades foul to cut it at the bridge as Edwan Mendy goes in search of his seventh straight clean sheet? And here's a lockdown game for the family table. Foxes versus Wolves. Who wins? Southampton take on Newcastle and Villa go to the Gunners and there's a whole host more. All on the podcast that is spending lockdown with its hands tied behind its back just in case we give away a penalty. It's the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Yes, another ludicrous penalty decision in the Champions League and as Chelsea benefit from probably the most nonsensical spot kick of the season. How can a ball that deflects off another part of the body and up onto an arm in a violently different direction that a defender cannot possibly anticipate be classed as an impediment, a foul? Because that's what handball is supposed to be. It's pathetic and it ruined that game and it will ruin the game if it's allowed to continue. And breathe. Well, hello to assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. And Alex Crook, TalkSport transfer guru and football reporter. You're right. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Uh, busy weekend ahead. Looking forward to it. Uh, all ten previews to get through today because the international break uh, follows, and as a result, the games aren't as spread out, and some of them start Friday. So we've got a lot to get through. But we should touch on the big story, which is circulating. Um, we know your opinions about his qualities so let's just talk about what could happen in the future Solskjaer's future and Poch positioning himself to take over what's the latest let's start with Crook well, I think this is a, a pivotal weekend uh, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. In the past, he's referenced the 4-0 drubbing that United suffered at Goodison Park as an illustration of how far they've come during his tenure. I think their performances this season, with one or two exceptions, actually show they've not come that far at all. The goals they conceded in Turkey on Wednesday night were criminal. The body language the players says to me that they've given up on their manager. Even he carried the look of a, a beaten man in his post-match press conferences. And I don't think Pochettino's appearance on Monday Night Football was by any means a coincidence. He senses there'll soon be a chance to get back in at Old Trafford. And frankly, it can't happen soon enough. And you know, up and outspoken about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I don't know one single United supporter who could honestly put their hand on their heart and say they would rather keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer 
than bring in Pochettino. Um, well, Pochettino's uh, appearance on Monday Night Football was actually long in the planning, but all his other interventions, and he has been putting his head above the parapet and saying, hire me, hire me, Darren, uh, are very much timed because he knows November international break, it's sacking season. Yeah, he does. The timing is everything as well, isn't it? Because that appearance was had been planned for quite some time. Uh, they'd planned for some time to have him on there. But the interesting thing about Pochettino, we should all bear in mind, would he even want the United job? Out, or, or rather, should he even want the United job? If you look at some of the things behind it, and you know I've said before on this show two things. You simply cannot trust Manchester United anymore. That's why after that PS, uh, that Leipzig win, I was on here. I looked like a wet weekend because I just couldn't get excited about the 5-0 win when everyone was saying how wonderful Solskjaer was and how he got his tactics right when, in fact, they scored a lot of goals late on. Rashford was inspired. They played a five at the back because they can't defend and people were getting far too carried away. Uh, but also... You have to say again, if he were not the, a former player, would the manager of Mould got the Manchester United job? No chance. So that, that you know what I think about him. You cannot trust Manchester United at the moment. But if you look beyond that, there are some key things around Man United that have to be borne in mind. If Pochettino goes there, he's got to do what Arteta did at Arsenal and say, if I come, these are the things that I demand and they are non-negotiable. And if I don't get them, I walk. Because the bottom line is at the moment, Solskjaer's a yes man at Manchester United. You look at the summer transfer window. He wanted Haaland, he wanted Sancho, couldn't get either. Uh, to, uh, and they ended up with two players that did nothing to solve their defensive problems. You look at Lampard at Chelsea, got into the top four. Chelsea went out, backed him straight away. What's the result? Six out of seven clean sheets in their last seven games and undefeated in their last 10. They've built, they've addressed the problems, they look strong. You look at Liverpool building on their successes with Jota and Thiago. You look at Spurs giving Mourinho the money to achieve the objectives they set him. You look at Solskjaer, you look at United and United are not backing him. So it's all very well saying could Pochettino go in there, but if Pochettino doesn't get that backing the manager always carries the can for the failings at Manchester United. So don't just suggest I'm not... not just you, Crook, have been seeing it everywhere. Pochettino, could he be the man? If Pochettino goes there and he doesn't get the backing, he'll be in this situation too. OK, no doubt about the big game of the weekend. I saw the forecast and I saw the next two, three days is sunshine in, uh, in Manchester, so that is the best news. So we're going to Origination Day off and after you have two days to prepare the game against Liverpool. But now it's time to, yeah, to enjoy this victory, it is the position in the table and then go move forward. Here's Foden for Manchester City, darting down the left-hand side, chips in the cross, Sterling far post knocks it down and in goes Gundogan! And there's the second goal for Manchester City! Everything what I said last night and today before the game is the 100% truth, is what I think I'm long enough in the business to, to see when uh, a team, another team is playing good football and can cause each team in the world problems. We are good as well, so that we know that, we know that we have to play good, we have to fulfil our potential. Well, Arthur Masuaku is looking at the floor, Mohamed Salah was on the floor and the referee has pointed to the spot, Fabianski. 
who has saved more penalties than any other goalkeeper since 2017 in the Premier League against Mohamed Salah, seven goals this season. Left-footed, drives it down the middle and drives Liverpool back on level terms. Yes, Manchester City against Liverpool and I thought Liverpool's display in midweek was terrific. Not exemplary because they did give up a couple of chances and there was some big saves from Alisson during that match. We did it live on TalkSport. Um, it, it looked as if though to me, Darren, that they'd moved up a gear and that doesn't bode well for Manchester City who actually quite laboured in their, their win over Olympiacos. Yeah, I mean, they've solved their defensive problems to an extent. And let's not kid ourselves and suggest that Nat Phillips or anybody else or Fabinho is a replacement for Van Dijk. But they're top of their Champions League group, uh, scoring goals for fun and restricting their opponents to not very much. You're not um, grieving anymore, are you? I mean, you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, no, you, you know, there's a few that sort of... process is over. That's over. I took yeah, the okay. black armband off. That's good. <laughs> you got but that. you know, the interesting... I thought Williams <laughs> did well, Ryan. Uh, Reese Williams did well, oh. I thought. You know, Very Phillips well. did well last week but, against um, West Ham, and bearing in mind he's 23, that's uh, that's quite an impressive debut, isn't it? No, you're absolutely right. He did fantastic. One more aerial duels than any other player on the pitch, uh, and so for a first game, brilliant. But this is a huge step up in class, and the Manchester United forward line will get him doing things he doesn't want to do. Sterling will use his pace. Jesus is back. Will use his cutting edge and his instinct to this will be all sorts of different for uh, Phillips if he were to play so this will be a tighter game I think it might be a shootout you know because Jota can't stop scoring goals the City forward line has rediscovered its scoring touch um, I think it could be a good game uh, a really uh, maybe a 2-1 uh, 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 maybe even a 2-2 but I think it will be a goal scoring game but I certainly do back Liverpool still because the confidence is so high and Jota's been such a fantastic signing for them so far um, I hope it's a good game because sometimes these games are bobbins uh, when you get two of the big teams and, that, and I, have, I remember one not so long ago where Manchester City went to Liverpool and we built it up massively it ended up nil-nil and Riyad Mahrez's penalty ended up in Goodison Park um, Crook Manchester City always look one injury away from vulnerability to me and we have mentioned the unsteadiness and unease that radiates from this team because of the uncertainty over the manager's future he's too old apparently and too tired to go back to Barcelona he says <laughs> but, but, but funnily enough he doesn't need the, as much energy for, for City I thought that was a very odd thing to say so it's basically like you know oh, it's a young man's job that Barcelona gig City though I can just put my slippers <laughs> on get my pipe out and just have fun <laughs> I, I know you're being facetious but I think what he's probably suggesting there is that there's a big rebuild job needed at, at Barcelona and needs someone perhaps um, with a bit more energy and a bit more vigour I have seen suggestions this morning um, a really interesting article in one of the broadsheets from Enio Luco suggesting that maybe the Manchester City players have become a bit bored of Pep Guardiola I think this is the longest he stayed at any club now mm. we know he's a very intense character Sam you've alluded to that time and again on this podcast I think as a result of that, this is a massive game for Manchester City. It's the type of game where they need to produce a statement performance to show that that isn't the case, that the players are still on board with what the manager wants to do. And indeed, they're still a force to be reckoned with because you're right, they were flat again in midweek. They've been flat for the bulk of the season. I think having Gabriel Jesus back will be 
a lift, not necessarily because he is a top-class striker, but just to have a specialist striker rather than playing someone in that false nine position. And on the flip side, Liverpool seem to be coming to the boil just at the right, at the right time. Three successive European clean sheets without Virgil van Dijk in their back line. We wouldn't have seen that coming. And a big decision to make uh, when it comes to Jota and Firmino, who gets the nod uh, to play alongside Salah who do you play, up front. I think he'll play Firmino. No, who do you play? Uh, I play Jota because he's got 10 goals in 15 games for club and country and he looks fantastic. Roberto Firmino is great at knitting things together, but he doesn't have as much of a goal through it. One goal in 11 appearances this season. Crook, now your colours to the mask. Who are you picking? I'm picking Jota. Well, Jota's in my fantasy team, so I hope he goes down that route. But I just think because of the big game experience, because he likes that combination with Salah and Mane, I think Jota again might have to make do. Uh, with an impact role and listen what an impact he's been averaging a goal every 71 minutes since he joined Liverpool Who are you picking then Darren? I, I think I'd go to Firmino uh, because I think um, uh, and I think Klopp will too he's a fantastic man manager and I think loyalty is everything in football and I think he'll show that loyalty to a guy whose work rate has enabled the other two to get the chances that they have done pulling players out of position selfless running um, I think Firmino is so respected because of his willingness to do the dirty work. And I think that for that reason, he'll stick with him and, and Jota will have to do more. This is Liverpool we're talking about. The standards are so high. You don't just score a few goals and then shoehorn yourself into the team. Did score a hat-trick in the Champions you know, League away from home. I mean, it's not just scoring a few against, goals, is it? It's a brilliant what, Was it against Real Madrid? No, it was against the quarterfinalists from last year that were about 10 minutes away from reaching mm, the semi-finalists of the Champions League. Who have won five of their eight games so far and only won one and of their last fourth four. Fourth in Serie A. They're not, they're, they're not, mm, you know, they're not, not Brighton, are they? They're not Brighton, but then they're, they're not Barcelona. I, I, I'd look, I'd, I'm not going to deride what Jot has done in all seriousness. I think that he's been fantastic. Again, he's got a high work rate. He's got a great attitude. He's got a fantastic composure in front of goal. But I just think as far as Firmino is concerned, I, I think I'd, I'd stick with the system that has served Klopp so well. And I think also the fact that he played against Atalanta suggests that Firmino is being rested for this game anyway. Mm, maybe. Um, Joel Matip is back, we think. Uh, Thiago been training on his own um, as he edges back to, to fitness. What do we think about the consideration of the Liverpool uh, defence or the configuration of the Liverpool defence? Does Phillips keep his place or do you bring Matip straight back into, into that team? Crook? It's another massive decision, isn't it, that Jurgen Klopp has to make. Does he go with Matip for his experience or does he keep faith with the young lad who, you have to say, has come in and been absolutely fantastic since Van Dijk was Both injured? Both young lads have actually done quite well, I think. Williams and um, Phillips. Um, Phillips only played 90 minutes, so you have to be a little bit careful about overexposing him. Yeah, and, it's, and it is a big game, isn't it? It's the game of the season so far. Um, the champions of the last two seasons colliding, probably still in most people's eyes, the favourites for the title this season, despite the fact that Manchester City have underwhelmed. Again, I, I can't predict it. Um, it's going to be fascinating when the team sheet comes in. If it was me... I would probably go for the experience of Matip. Yeah, and let's talk a bit about Manchester City if we can, and we haven't got too long to sort of dwell on it, but the configuration of the midfield I think is really important here, isn't it? Because Kevin De Bruyne, obviously a fantastic player, will play a massive part. Um, how else do they sort of line up to ensure that they get control of that area of the pitch? Because Henderson in particular, Wijnaldum in particular, have been absolutely fabulous so far this campaign. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. But he's been feeling his way back uh, with De Bruyne. And I certainly think that he'll play Rodri in there as well because he'll need uh, a ball winner. I think he'll play Gundogan as well. Uh, And I think it will literally be a battle of industry in there whose work rate is highest in order to provide for Liverpool, Thiago, for City, De Bruyne with the, opportunity, with the opportunity to load the bullets for the front men. Um, so I think he'll play with, with the three, with the other two supporting De Bruyne, whereas we know how Liverpool set up already, don't we? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. That is as poor a Manchester United performance in Europe as we've seen for a long, long time. And they've been beaten. In Istanbul, Babacaksa here. The last two results uh, have been, as you say, a uh, punch uh, in our stomach. Well, Harry Maguire's on his knees and Manchester United have lost at home again. The only way to respond is get your act together for the Everton game because we know that's going to be a tough and a difficult game. Calvert-Lewin is underneath. Oh! And he's headed oh! in. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin has got the equaliser for Everton. Game by game, you have to show always the same quality, the same spirit, the same football. Oh, outstanding finish from Marcus Rashford and Manchester United cutting loose here. The game against Everton is enormous. If they lose, I think he goes. Everton were unimpressive over Newcastle, but have had a week to work on their problems ahead of their home game with Manchester United, which kicks off at 12.30. And they're confident that James Rodriguez will be back for the weekend. Richarlison won't be, and that is an issue, because when you play as a lone striker, as Dominic Calvert-Lewin does, you need that athleticism and support and guile that both those two players provide to bring the best out of your crook. I think James Rodriguez is going to have a field day against this Manchester United side. He looked bereft of confidence, bereft of belief, bereft of ability to to keep out opposition strikers. I know Everton have gone off the boil a bit in the last couple of weeks. Their their squad depth has been 
exposed slightly. Uh, but if James is fit, that's a massive boost as, as far as the home team are concerned. And again, Calvert-Lewin up against Maguire uh, and Lindelof, he will be seeing this as a massive opportunity to get back on the goal trail. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be a threat. Their home form, Darren, is absolutely terrific. They've lost just one match, Everton, at home since November last year. And that was on the final day of the season against Bournemouth when they'd probably given up a little bit Everton to be fair uh, Coleman and, and Dean could return as well and if Everton are 90% of fourth strength then I actually fear for Manchester United who have also had to travel a long way and then face this game early on a Saturday yeah and if there are players in there whose level has dropped whose attitude has, has fallen this will be a real strong test I love the way you take away all my stats I had that stat ready for this show uh, and I can't use it now which one was that? So about them not losing at, uh, losing at home only once oh, since last oh, but, but you know that's you why you're the master come on <laughs> but you know look I think you're right In, if they're at 90% full power then I think they're going to be a real test for Manchester United not so much for the Manchester United's ability but for whether United can play as a cohesive unit they're individually good players but as a unit the partnerships aren't there, the understanding isn't there, the cohesiveness isn't there. Whereas with Everton, you're talking about the players who are coming back. With those players in the side, they very much are a cohesive unit. So it's going to be really interesting. I loved, I know they lost the other day, but I loved the goal that Calvert-Lewin scored against Newcastle. Dipped in between the keeper and the mm. defender when it looked very much as though the keeper was able to going to gather it up. And that said to me, this is a hungry striker, a guy who is still, despite whatever's happening behind him in defence and midfield, he wants to get his goals. And I yeah. think that hunger could well prove difficult for whoever lines up at centre-half uh, for Manchester United. I take Everton to win. Um, awful against Spurs, brilliant against Newcastle and Paris and pretty good against Leipzig, dreadful against Arsenal, dreadful against Istanbul. Uh, we know the Ollie issues you have, but he's got so many players and I wonder if that is a bit of a problem. How should they line up for this game, Crook? He's got so many players and yet he keeps picking the wrong ones. <laughs> Will you pick them the for us and tell us what he should do? Which is part of the reason that he's in this situation. Well, well I think the first thing I would do would um, be to contemplate going with a back three um, against this Everton side. I think Luke Shaw is more effective as a left-sided central defender um, than as an out-and-out left-back. Not sure why Brandon Williams is getting a lack of game time. I thought he did really well at the back end of last season, but Solskjaer doesn't seem to trust him. I think now uh, you need to get um, Van der Beek in midfield. Pogba has been really poor uh, with his performances over the season so far. So, so he would start for me. And I think they've looked a better team, actually, <laughs> when one matter has played, but probably hasn't got the legs for this game at, at Goodison Park. Listen, to be honest, you, you could almost make 11 changes and it wouldn't make a lot of difference, in my opinion. Hakim Ziyech scores his first Chelsea goal. When you are keeping clean sheets, when you are scoring goals, you're going in the right direction. Sheffield United remain without a win this season, remain in the bottom three. We're in this division on merit, all of us, and we've got to show everybody that we deserve to be in it going forward. Okay, at 5.30 on Saturday, it's Chelsea versus Sheffield United live on TalkSport. Edouard Mundy, or Mondi gets the headlines, but Chelsea's impressive defensive record is largely down to his unruffled, cool, calm nature that he has instilled uh, since coming in between the sticks. You mentioned earlier, six clean sheets in seven. 
but he's kept six clean sheets because the one where they didn't was the one where they had Kepa back in goal because of an injury. So, look, I don't understand why they didn't just buy him in the first place. Why didn't they buy him earlier in the summer, even oh, if that was the case? Stop being anyway, such right, a okay. grouch. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. It's good. But the other, end, the, other, the other end is the key <laughs> thing for Chelsea, isn't it? Because they started to look like a very strong team. They've looked a, looked very, made a step towards getting to where Frank Lampard wants them uh, to be. There's no Havertz. That sounds bad. Uh, he, he Obviously, he's got COVID-19. But actually it gives him a little bit less of a headache, doesn't it? Because he's not trying to find a place in the team for all of these superstar attackers. Ziyech has started well. Werner's looking sharper. And Abraham and Mount give them energy up front. And look, and I think with Sheffield United as the opponents, Darren, if they score one, they'll probably win the game. Yeah, absolutely. They've lost only once so far this season. That was to Liverpool in September. They've won their last three. They've scored scored 10 goals in the process and kept clean sheets as we've been saying in their last five in the Premier League the investment is paying off when you spend a lot of money on a football team what you want to see is what you're seeing at, at, at Chelsea at the moment and Rudiger what, what, what I've not seen too much of is Rudiger's back in the fold came on for the last 22 minutes against Wren the other night which means that you've got even more options in central defence as well um, they're only four points off the top now and I said before I say again I, I expect them to challenge for the title because they've got that security in defence and they've got goals from everywhere up front and that depth and it could be a key weekend, couldn't it? Because Manchester City and Liverpool playing each other, so someone is going to drop points somewhere. So Chelsea could move into quite an aggressive zone if they beat uh, Sheffield United. We all know that the Blades have issues and you can't make uh, a magic wand wave them all away. But is there a chance they could outwork Chelsea Crook, who have themselves have had another attacking week whilst Chris Wilder has been on the training ground with this team? Yeah, possibly. Um, although I think... <laughs> This is, this is uh, such a confidence game. One team absolutely oozing confidence at the moment. It's Chelsea's best run of clean sheets for a decade, um, incredibly. And After their what, worst run without one for yeah. about 100 years. <laughs> but I think always what, looking at the glass half empty. My word. He's such I, a I, negative I, person. No, I'm not. He is, I, 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 he? No, you two just roller coaster ride, don't you? You go from this one's great to this one's awful, and I just try and keep no, it on even. We're kill. consistent. We're consistent. Consistently all show. over the place, yeah. <laughs> but but I think confidence confidence is key to this because the fact they now have this stable back line, and that's largely down to the form and the presence of Thiago Silva and the difference clearly that Edouard Mendy has made. I think anybody, Darren Lewis going in goal, um, would probably have given that back line more <laughs> confidence than Kepa. Um, and Sheffield United look absolutely bereft of confidence at the moment. And I do worry for them because Chris Wilder, to me, is already starting to sound like a manager who knows his team are in a relegation battle. He's talking about improved performances and results being just around the corner. I have to say, I haven't seen much from Sheffield United this season to suggest that there is a turnaround in fortunes. It's a problem that started post-lockdown, once that adrenaline of being back in the Premier League and their unique way of playing wore off. I don't want to use the cliche second season syndrome, but I think it's applicable in this case. But you've done it anyway. I, I, can't it anyway. See past the, I can't see past the Chelsea victory. Okay, thank you very much. Is there anything else that you want to get out there? Another another little cliche, just so we can just throw it in. Just to, Name drop. Yeah, just, oh yeah, well, he hasn't dropped a name today yet. Or oh, we'll no. get there. We've still got the other half of the show to go through. Um, Vernon's on penalties now. So there's a positive for you, uh, Darren, because Jorginho can't keep messing them up. You're a fan. You, do, do, do you like Werner on penalties or do you prefer Jorginho? Uh, Werner, all day long, please. Why? 
Why? Because I think uh, Jorginho's technique's been worked out by goalkeepers, which is why he's missed so many over the course of the last uh, little while. And also, I just think that that, that, that technique, there's, there is room for making making a mess and he has done uh, whereas Werner just slams it into the net and he scored a load of penalties last year at uh, RB Leipzig so I think it's a, it's a positive for Chelsea um, West Ham United are in positive mood as well as they take on Fulham a Saturday night talk sport to live with Alex Crook uh, you're commentating on Scott Parker's return to West Ham the key thing though is the absence or return of Antonio what is the latest doesn't look like he's going to be fit from what I'm reading this morning, which obviously is a, a big problem. I know you weren't particularly enamoured with Sebastian Allaire's performance last weekend. I wonder if it might be time to see uh, Saeed Benrahma in that position. Obviously, West Ham are a, a much better team with Antonio in it. And, and this is an interesting game for West Ham because they've fared better than anybody expected in this really tricky run of fixtures they've yes. had. But I think in some ways, this is going to be a test of exactly how far they have come under David Moyes because these are just the type of games uh, where they've let themselves down in the past. They seem to find it very easy as a group of players to get motivated to go to places like Anfield and, and the Emirates where they played really well, a game I commentated earlier this season, but not so easy to lift themselves for games against teams they should be beating. And Fulham, despite a much better performance against West Bromwich Albion, thanks largely to their two lone players, Lookman and Loftus-Cheek. This is a game that West Ham, if they want to challenge in the top half of the table, challenge for Europe, as Darren Lewis touted last week, this is a game they have to win. He said top four, didn't he? Some no, I did not. Sure did. I'm sure he No, did. I did not. I uh, said Europe. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about that because that is true. They, you know, they did very well against uh, the last year's top eight, the six games in that brutal run uh, uh, against last year's top eight. Now it is their opportunity to make hay while the sun shines or doesn't shine, uh, bearing in mind we're in the middle of winter. Um, but I think team spirit-wise, they've been working incredibly hard in gelling the group. And, and one of the things I've heard about them is, is that they've got a brilliant set of lads who all seem to get on well. It's a very strong group. They've been having some special sort of like uh, entertainment evenings put on behind the scenes, which have, have gelled the spirit of the group even for bonded them together. And you need that, don't you? Especially when you're, you, you need to rely on the discipline and shape, which they did very well I think at Liverpool last week and we're unlucky actually to end up on the on the losing side I think in many of the teams in the Premier League the attitude reflects the leadership I think uh, Pellegrini was quite low key but he wasn't a good fit for West Ham West Ham are a side that are combative that are, are well-meaning you know they're honest and they are organised and disciplined. That's everything that David Moyes is about. So none of this run has been a surprise to me. I remember speaking earlier on the, in the season about what I expected him to do at the club. His buying policy has been fantastic. Soufal, uh, Suchek and Bowen have all been excellent signings. And as we all know, what he did with Antonio, turning him into a centre forward who could hold the ball up, draw other people into the play has been outstanding. What Antonio has done in turn is set a standard for Haller to reach. And I think that he's, he's had some cameos which have been okay, but in the Premier League, he's not been good enough. He's now got two games against clubs at the bottom end of the Premier League that give him an opportunity maybe to, I would even suggest one last chance to suggest that he's still got a future at the club because at the moment he doesn't look brave enough. He doesn't look like a player who can do the things that Antonio can do. These are, this is opposition 
that can maybe give him the chance to show he still does have the kind of class that we saw last season when he scored goals for fun. It's not last season, the season before last, when he scored goals for fun for Eintracht Frankfurt. We're not, we haven't seen that player for way, way too long. And I think this is this game is all about him. We know they can defend. We know they've got an industry in midfield. Can Halle step up to the plate and do at least half of what Antonio do, has done so far? It's a really big 90 minutes for him. Yeah, I, I don't think he's good enough to hold the ball up. I don't think he's good enough to run in behind. Four goals in his first seven Premier League games actually showed promise, but four goals in his subsequent 30. I don't think he's Sam, up for it. Look, if he can't if he can't do it in this little period, you've got to sell him. You've got to sell him and move on because, it, you know... I, I, a club like West Ham can't afford to carry a player like Halle, given how much he cost, given what they've invested in him. If he can't do it in this run, Fulham and then Sheffield United, let him go and bring in someone else who can. I agree. Um, just a quick word, because uh, we did set you a challenge earlier in the season and we asked you to find out the pronunciation of Vladimir Kufal Sufal. <laughs> uh, you told me quite stridently that it was Vladimir Kufal and you just dropped his name into that conversation as Vladimir Sufal. And you know the worst thing about it? I thought I could do it yeah. surreptitiously and yeah, you wouldn't you notice. Yeah, I, I made sure that I kept that. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, right, so, so why have you changed? Because um, I, I must admit, I did West Ham at the weekend and I didn't take any of your advice. I found out for myself that it was Sufal and, and went with that. Uh, do you know what I found out as soon as the show was over? <laughs> and then I thought, I'm not... <laughs> You didn't text me to tell me. Outrageous. Uh, the Hammers have managed one clean sheet in the last 12 home games, uh, but maybe they can stick one on the board against Fulham, who have conceded six goals in their last three away games. OK, it's time for Rivalry Roulette, and Lucy, our esteemed producer, is here to navigate our way through three fixtures we haven't touched upon yet uh, she'll hand out the games uh, to uh, Darren to Crook and I and we will preview them off the top of our heads hi Lucy thought it was roulette rivalry well, keep saying bloody rivalry roulette well whatever does it matter oh, no answer <laughs> to that I'm not 15, even answering that no smart 15, no smart wise crack there 15.40 I'm not in a great mood because I fell over again oh god no. what was this to, were you getting under a, a bed a wardrobe what were you doing this time no I was uh, moving some boxes downstairs from the flat and I fell oh dear you go over more easily than most look Sabla. oh my gosh that's not to be sniffed out oh my gosh you okay See, I like that Darren has a really nice response to my well, brace. Well, actually, first of all, he said you go first of all, he said you go over easier than Mo Salah. Um, no, I thought it, I thought it wasn't <laughs> that bad, and then I saw the bruises, and now I can't laugh anymore. Oh, wow. I do have one on my lower back, but I'm not going to show that because that's over PG thirteen. <laughs> okay, we have to press the red button for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should move on and move on very swiftly. <laughs> Crook, what are you, what are you Crook, doing pressing honestly, the button? Put the, put the remote down, Crook. It doesn't really work. <laughs> right. Okay. This is the kind of content that could lead to an apology on Twitter. Yeah, yeah we're going to be in trouble. Um, should we hand out the games? I'm going to go for Crook. Because he doesn't seem to be very focused at the minute. No, he doesn't, does he? He seems a bit off. And uh, I'm going to give yeah. you Crystal Palace Ooh. v Leeds. Just to really get you focused. 
this is the second week in a row that I've had Crystal Palace. The fact that they're in roulette rivalry again also suggests that they are the dullest team in the Premier League right now. Um, Leeds, I wasn't that impressed with them in the first half against Leicester. Obviously, whatever Bielsa did at half-time um, sparked a reaction. But I worry now that they are a team who do gift the opposition chances. Um, and while Palace aren't necessarily the ideal team to cash in on that, I, I can see goals going in the Leeds net. Patrick Bamford has gone off kilter and missed a really big chance in that game against Leicester. He needs to find top gear again if they're to get back to winning ways. But I, I could see a Roy Hodgson masterclass in this one. I, I'm going to predict a Crystal Palace victory and I don't think too many people uh, will be saying that going into the weekend. Oh. Mm, timed it quite well, didn't he? That's good. Roy Hodgson masterclass got a uh, got a roll out though. Uh, that definitely should be in our uh, root What is it? Right, rivalry. Right, what? Right, rivalry. Roulette rivalry. Right, okay, that should be on our bingo card. Right, Sam, you can go next. Okay, cool. What can I have? I'm going to give you Southampton v Newcastle. Ah, Southampton versus Newcastle. Ralph Harsenhutl doing a very good job at Southampton. Um, I think. The key player in that uh, formation now is Oriol Romeo. He just binds together that midfield. He's got great workhorses around him, but I think he just adds a little bit of extra layer of protection to the defence, which has been important in recent matches. I was with a Newcastle fan, Greg, this week, who said, uh, after we discussed that he was a Newcastle fan, he said, you're going to tell me we're doing all right, aren't you? And I went, no, 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 I wouldn't dare to. Uh, we have on our podcast a, who would you rather have a season ticket for? Possessionless Palace or Entertainment Starved Toon? Um, he said they are absolutely dreadful to watch. He can't stand it. He, he wants a change, but they are very, very well drilled from out Outside looking in, I think without Danny Ings well, in the Southampton attack, they walk away with the draw. Nice story about Greg there to fill some time. Yeah, Greg's a, Greg was a nice guy. Um, he's a teacher at a, uh, a local school, and uh, he lives in in my, in my town. We were uh, were helping out at Mark, Marcus Rashford's fair share facility in Manchester. That's where we met. I, I thought you were talking about Greg's the shop. So for about ten seconds, I was quite confused. Were you? We, did yeah. you start getting hungry and thinking about a uh, chicken did. and bacon I slice? I about sausage rolls and uh, steak bake. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, sorry, right, get us back on, on track. Right, finally, Darren, I'm going to give you Brighton v Burnley and your time uh, starts now. Do you know, I actually thought you were going to give me Leicester against Wolves, so that's quite interesting. I'm using up time as well. Um, Brighton against Burnley. Well, I'm not going to beat about a bush. I expect Brighton to win. Burnley have had an average to poor start to the season. I know that there's been talk about a potential takeover. I thought actually that would motivate the players to maybe want to raise their game because when people take clubs over, they generally invest in the team and bring better players in than the ones that you've already got. But I haven't really seen that. And I look at Brighton, I still see a side that can score goals, a side that can play good football at home. They'll want to express themselves. I'm going to do this without mentioning Tarrant Lamptey at least once because I think there are other good players. And what will be key is whether Neil Morpay plays. And I think he will. Tarrant's <laughs> goal was well taken the other night, wasn't it? It was a brilliant little yes. touch into the corner. I love that from him. He's a, he's a lovely the, the, guy the as best, well. The best thing I ever I've seen so far is that I've I don't think I've seen a player add a zero next to his name as quickly as Tarek Lamptey. Mm. Chelsea must be asking him why. Well, they they're probably not asking why they let him go because they've no. got Reese James and that's Billy Quetta. Uh, okay, so for five million pounds, it was very a very good investment from Brighton and Hove Albion, I think. Right, let's move on to Sunday Fun Day. 
A mammoth Sunday starts with another manager who's under pressure. We mentioned it on Monday's pod and it seems that West Bromwich Albion have moved a little step closer to parting ways with Slavin Bilic. Crook is following this story. In fact, he rang me about it yesterday. Um, saying that Who, we, Bilic? No, well, no, Tell he Crook didn't. to stop following me. <laughs> <laughs> he te- he texts me to say that. <laughs> I'm going to get a restraining order. He also said there was this girl following him down the stairs in the flat and she fell over and knocked him to the floor. (laughs) Anyway, on the actual story of Slavon Bilic, what's the latest, Crook? Well, hold on, I'm having problems with my mic here again. Quick, should we we get Lucy to come down the stairs with a box of tricks for you? (laughs) This is a problem, it keeps... Let me try and get this back. Don't move, Sam. That's it. You've done it. Uh, Rob, what was the question? <laughs> it was about me following Billich, wasn't it? Yeah. West Brom, latest. Slavon Billich, yeah. sack. Well, I did suggest on the podcast we recorded on Sunday night that all possibly was not well at the Hawthorne. Slavon Billich, obviously speaking publicly um, about his lack of backing from the owners, the fact that they sold a player from underneath him. And now, uh, very well-informed sources in the Midlands are suggesting this is win or bust as far as Slavon Bilic is concerned. If oh West Bromwich Albion don't win the game, he will be sacked. It does beg the question, who would you bring in to replace him at this stage of the season? The transfer window is closed. I know there's another one in January, but I don't think West Bromwich Albion are particularly flush um, with cash, in my opinion, They'd be better off sticking with Slavon Bilic, someone who's been there, uh, knows how to get a team out of trouble in the Premier League, than, than taking a gamble and, and bringing on some and bringing in somebody else. This is typical West Brom, though, isn't it? Um, they get themselves into the Premier League, they stay there for a couple of months, then they get rid of a manager and bring in someone who hasn't really got a clue about the division or is not really suited to it. I mean, my mind keeps lurching back to Pepe Mel, which was a That's ludicrous. Tough. Uh, appointment um, are they going to do it again is that they're going to just pull out some random name who's never worked in the Premier League and then all of a sudden expect them to try and keep uh, West Bromwich Albion in the, in the in the Premier League probably they take on Tottenham this week not very easy uh, for Slavon Bilic to negotiate seeing as they're unbeaten in six league games and absolutely flying Darren yeah, uh, Spurs are just in fantastic shape and they're not even at their full strength yet because Bale isn't at full strength yet. And when he is, they're going to be flying. Kane's taken a lot of stick over the past week or so. Rightly so. Um, I, I don't think Kane is by any stretch of the imagination the first footballer to No, but if you're going to have a go at Mohamed Salah for being over-exuberant with his dive. No, but people have. Um, then you have to question Harry Kane for obviously developing a technique, and we've seen it a couple of times already this season. We've seen we've seen the footage of this week of that manoeuvre where he backs into uh, the on-rushing defender knowing that mm-hmm. he's coming to win free kicks and penalties. I mean, I'd be have, more inclined to... I'd be more inclined to maybe look at the referees who haven't come down on this well, a bit sooner. But as far right as, far as how, you know, as far as Harry Kane is concerned, what is the difference between Harry Kane doing that and players looking for the leg of the opponent to fall over? And let's also be clear about Nothing, one you other criticize thing: criticise those players too, don't you? I mean, when you when that happens, we do. Yeah, point but we it don't out. do it we enough. Do. We don't. And, and and let me say one thing. I sound like a politician, but Do if Harry Kane does that in a World Cup final and gets a penalty, would we all spend the subsequent moments and wins and wins the you know wins the trophy? Do do we end up criticising Harry Kane or do we take that? Because I think there again we we can be 
double, we have a double standard about these things. But that's football, you know, when, isn't when it? Players I mean, at the end do of the day, it, it, that is, yeah, that's, the, that's the nature well, that's of the game. That's why we can't go too hard on it. Well, we're not going that's too hard on it, but, but, but we can't also just let it slide, can you? I'm not saying no, we should but I'm not saying that you let it slide, but but I'm saying I'm saying that that's been going on for a long time, and I can see why. Uh, Mourinho has come out to do it. He clearly has an ulterior motive. He wants he to show the player that he supports him and he wants to inspire him to go out and score also, goals and do, you know, do, run through brick walls, etc., etc. Do, do, do you think that maybe the, the players, Crook, are being a little bit more sensitive about the criticisms that they are receiving? I don't think... I mean, listen, I, maybe I don't spend enough time on social media, so therefore I don't see the, the, the sort of ardent, vociferous evil criticism that people get but in terms of your newspapers and your radio let's be completely clear I mean all all that I've heard and seen is that people have pointed out that this person has made a mistake or that person has made a mistake or this person shouldn't have done that Jordan Pickford apparently needs to protect him because he's getting upset because he's had too much criticism and Harry Kane he needs his manager to come out and support him because he's been criticised for doing he did something which probably was unpalatable to 90% of the footballing population because they're not Tottenham Hotspur fans. So people are going to criticise. It's not the end of the world. No one's saying that he should be shipped off to Australia like the 1700s. We're just saying that ultimately it's probably not the right thing to do and referees should pick up on it. I'd be loath to draw a comparison between the criticism aimed at Kane and, and Jordan Pickford because as we know that Jordan Pickford's criticism on social media has, has gone too far Absolutely. Um, you know when it becomes personal when you talk about death threats but my surprise is that Harry Kane hasn't been called out for this earlier because this is not a new um, technique to win penalties he, he does it pretty much every time the ball is is looped up in and around the penalty area it's going to be really interesting uh, if we get a similar incident in this game of the weekend to see how um, the referee and the, the VAR deal with it because it has been highlighted now so they will clearly be looking maybe for a reason not to give Harry Kane a penalty. I, I wouldn't criticise Jose Mourinho for defending his player. That's been going on since the, the, the dawn of time. That is a manager's job. I do question whether Harry Kane does at times get preferential treatment from officials because he is Harry Kane, England captain. Ooh. I certainly think that was the case when Alan Shearer um, used to wear the armband and was jumping with his elbows. Oh, oh, oh. Sam, can I ask you? Can I ask you as well, Sam? Does it make you... I, I'm genuinely interested in this. Mm. Do you guys take a step back when you see... Let's forget Kane for a second when you see a Pickford situation does that make you temper as commentators calling out the mistakes because you what, know what, no what? other goalkeeper has made as many mistakes as Pickford since the start of last season hmm. but when you see where it leads to and you know he's been talking about bodyguards for Pickford and all this sort of stuff because social media take legitimate criticisms too far yeah as commentators do you have to temper what you say and how how much you highlight it no do I don't game. think you I don't think you stop highlighting something that's actually happened I think you're a little bit more careful in the aftermath um, I think we certainly were in the aftermath of the Jordan Pickford incident um, with Virgil van Dijk after we I think we did one episode in, in the immediate aftermath I think it was the, the day after in which we sort of suggested that it was it was over the top or whatever but then we moved on very quickly and I don't think we revisited it for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, no, I don't. Temp- I don't think we would not call out a mistake because that would be not 
doing our job properly. I know there is a responsibility in terms of making sure that we're not pointing fingers, but I don't think that's our. St- I don't think that, I don't think that's my style anyway. So I wouldn't be sitting there sort of screaming and shouting, saying, "There he is! He's made another mistake. It's mm. dreadful. He's out of order." It would be more of, and it's unfortunate he's made another mistake, or he has made another mistake. I, I don't think you can lie. About but wouldn't you be? But wouldn't you be legitimate in reflecting the passion of the game? with the former well I think there's a difference between pointing out that someone has made a mistake and vilifying someone for making a mistake can you see that oh look no. uh, Crook has just pointed um, to the Manchester Evening News website which uh, he's flashed up in front of our screens suggesting that Manchester United have approached Maurizio Pochettino about Ooh. being the manager of Manchester United which is why he's got very very excited ignored our conversation about Jordan Pickford taken his headphones <laughs> off and gone to make a phone call whilst Darren and I were having a discussion about uh, the responsibilities of commentating in a fair and accurate way without going over the top um, so uh, obviously that story is going to be massive over the course of the next 24 hours I'm sure you'll get all the latest on Talk Sport. we'll continue to go through our previews Leicester versus Wolves and Arsenal versus Aston Villa um, October was a good month for Wolves wasn't it Darren um, who are trying to score more goals and move on from their binary score lines of ones and zeros um, I think they may benefit from not having to juggle the Europa League and the Premier League mm. Uh, this season so that might give Nuno Espirito Santo the opportunity to move this team on and in the right direction Yeah they had a fairly staccato start to the season uh, but there's started to click in the last four games three of which have resulted in victories it was after the Newcastle game where he said look the players have got to be more clinical we need to turn more of these chances into goals uh, so that we can move away as you say from those binary scorelines and in the last game they did that with uh, two goals uh, against Crystal Palace the first of which was scored by their fullback the 19 year old who, who they've just signed um, from League and eight Nori if I forgive me if I get got yep. the pronunciation of that wrong listen they've got quality all over the pitch and we knew that already we know that Nuno is the man to knit it all together but what is key is as you've just said there they don't have the Europa League now to punctuate their fixtures. And so the players are fresher going into matches. And for that reason, I think they'll stay there or thereabouts. Um, sorry, just in case uh, you have got it wrong with the pronunciation of uh, the young teenager left wing back, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because he's gonna do that. You'll say it this week one way, and then next week you'll tell us it's pronounced <laughs> in another way. Do you know way. what you should do? And if do? you find the correct you, way in between, you won't text or tell you, you, anybody you else. You should about have it. a little feature where you wear a mortarboard and a gown. And then you have a little cane. You've got the glasses already, and you just tap it. And then, like you say, your pronunciation, footballer's pronunciation this week is. <laughs> and then that, you know, little five second thing every week. Put uh, it out on social. Uh, Leicester, <laughs> Leicester have uh, done well in acquiring Fofana. I think he's been a good uh, acquisition at the back for Leicester. And despite their win on Monday night. I do think that they gave up one or two chances. And you said, uh, Crook, that uh, Bamford missed a big chance. He did in that first minute, in fact. He got himself into a brilliant position, um, managed to get a free header on goal and didn't get the requisite power behind it in order to put them in front. If Wolves get chances like that, I mean, and Hernandez in the second half obviously hit the crossbar at 2-1 as well. There were big chances for Leeds United in that match. Wolves will take those chances, Jimenez in particular. 
Yes, they will. Um, I think it would be a bit harsh to be overly critical of, of Leicester's defending when you look at the players that are missing from their back line. I make you right about Fafar and I think he's adapted very quickly um, to the Premier League. But I, I would expect an open game here. Uh, and we know that Wolves are clinical, not just Jimenez, actually. I'm a big fan of Daniel Pedence. I really love watching him play. And Neto on the other side. I think that's got a, the makings of a fantastic partnership. And I think Wolves are already feeling the benefits this season. In fact, they, they're not having to juggle the Premier League with Europa League because we know that Nuno, nine times out of ten, likes to name the same team week in, week out. Obviously, when you're competing on four fronts, that becomes impossible. And I think they're in for a really good season, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And with the injuries that Leicester have had and with, those ch- with the chances they gave up against Leeds, I think this could be a tough game for Brendan Rodgers. But again, it's been a fantastic start for Leicester and their best start to a season, I think, since they won the, the, the Premier League title. With the injuries they've had, Brendan Rodgers, who's another name that is being linked with Manchester United in some quarters, deserves a huge amount of credit. Arsenal against Aston Villa. Um, Arteta has to back up the big performances team put in last Sunday against Manchester United. They had a tough run at the start of the campaign, didn't they? But they, they came through that even you know with a little bit of scrapes and bruises here and there. But they should make hay over the next few weeks. How important is it now that Arsenal kick on, Darren? Well, I, I could almost play replay what I said last week and say it again. I think that he will be able to build on it. He does have a clear vision. The target for him and Arsenal this season is the top four. And I think they do have the goals, they've got the consistency and they've got the defensive discipline to achieve that. They were light years ahead of Manchester United last week in terms of their desire. And, into you know, all the things that United don't have in terms of partnerships throughout the pitch, cohesion and understanding of their jobs... Arsenal have those things. So when you ask me how important it is, it's it's paramount that they build on it and they will. They've got the goals up front. They've got the understanding in field. They've got the organisation at the back. I, I can't see anything other than an Arsenal victory. The last time they played at home, if I'm not mistaken, they lost to Leicester. They'll learn from that and they'll be tighter at the back. Uh, they're will be blips along the way under Arteta uh, but I think ultimately they'll achieve their objective if Arteta was in charge of Man United I think I said this last week Pogba would know his job the defence would know their jobs everyone all over the pitch would know that there is a work rate a standard of work rate they've yeah. got to meet he- and if they don't meet it they wouldn't be able they would be out of the team Arsenal players know that. That's why I think they'll go on to win and continue winning. He certainly has a clarity of message and the buy-in of those that he's retained, which is why he has been happy to exclude the likes of uh, Genduzi who went off to Hertha and to uh, uh, allow Ertzel well. to, to sort of be pushed out of the team. Um, I think Dean Smith has to be a little bit careful because uh, you don't want to uh, get too down about recent results, but two back-to-back home defeats hurt after that big win over Liverpool and he'll want to ensure uh, that uh, his team bounce back with something like a good performance away from home and listen Arsenal don't score a bucket load of goals and Aston Villa have up until the last couple of games done well at at defending so you never know it might be a more difficult game for our test than maybe we might think especially seeing as they have a game on Thursday night Um, right okay so I think before we go we just need to ask Crook whether or not he is excited apprehensive if he's nervous 
What's the mood going into the weekend now that you're getting these whispers about Pochettino and and Solskjaer? You know, can can, can you contain yourself? What what's the sort of feeling bubbling up inside you? Wearing, by the way, are you wearing the same outfit you wore yesterday? You are. No, I'm not. I said I have I have two black roll neck jumpers. Do you? Um, Do you? (laughs) That's what you say when you when you've put on yesterday's clothes, isn't it? I've got two of these. <laughs> Should we get back on track? Um, just to update uh, you where we are with the uh, the Solskjaer story, I have been uh, messaging some people. So um, Pochettino has been approached uh, via his advisors to see if he would still be interested in the Manchester United job because we know there was an interest previously. My understanding is that he would still very much be interested in taking over at Old Trafford. That answers one of the questions that Darren put right at the start of the programme. There is a reluctance on behalf of the Manchester United board to sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I think they know the situation is now becoming untenable and it will come down to the performance as much as the result against Everton um, this weekend. It's a big appointment for me if Pochettino does come in because I've been banging this drum for a long time now since Jose Mourinho was in the hot seat at Old Trafford that Pochettino would be the man uh, to replace him. He was the man that I wanted. Sam, you pointed out wherever you could that he's never actually won anything. I would counter and say he didn't have an opportunity uh, to win anything at Tottenham. I think he overachieved by taking that team to a Champions League final. They didn't deserve to be there. Um, Final. final. Man for man. I think this is the right appointment for Manchester United. There's a lot of work to do. And, and I think credit to Pochettino, there would have been easier jobs for him to come back into. But if it happens, and I sincerely hope it does, I think he will transform things at Old Trafford. Okay. Just, just okay, to be sorry, sorry, just, clear. Just to clear. Yeah, that did... means he's excited, doesn't it? I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it, it means does. he's excited. Yeah, yeah I think it does. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, I didn't say would he. In fact, I corrected myself. I said should he because... Of- there are so many other things that have to be addressed at Man United. He is clearly talented. We know that. We know that he would do a good job with what he's got. But when he needed more at Spurs, he didn't get it. Would he get it at Man United, who didn't give it to, to Mourinho, didn't give it to Van Gaal, mm. didn't give it to Solskjaer? That's the issue. If he gets the backing, he'll be fantastic. This debate, I'm sure, will go on over the course of the weekend. We'll be back on Monday night for a look back at the weekend's football with Darren Bent and with a very excitable Alex Crook, who now, for the first time in his Manchester United supporting history, is willing Everton to thrash the pants off his team at the weekend live on TalkSport. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.